Good morning, guys. So good to see everybody. Brother Gus, Elder John, so good to see you guys. What a blessing. <laughs> I missed all of you guys. It's only been a week, but... Um, I'm going to read you guys a joke, okay? You guys feel a little bit tight. If you are easily offended, please check out for the next five minutes and come back, okay? <laughs> My sense of humor might be slightly different from your sense of humor, okay? Two hunters are out in the woods when one of them collapses. He's not breathing and his eyes are glazed. The other guy whips out his cell phone and calls 911. He says, I think my friend is dead, he yells. What can I do? The operator says, calm down first. Let's make sure he's dead. There's a silence, then a shot. Back on the phone, the guy says, okay, now what? <laughs> I told you, it's slightly dark. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> All right, again, check out if you're going to be offended. I think this one's very funny. <laughs> Caleb will laugh, I think. Here we go. Here we go. Um, once I saw a man crying on a bench. He said, nobody loves me. I said, God loves you. Do you believe in God? He said, yes. I said, are you a Christian or a Jew? He said, Christian. I said, me too, Protestant or Catholic? He said, Protestant. I said, me too, what franchise? He said, Baptist. I said, me too, Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? He said, Northern Baptist. I said, me too, Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? <laughs> he said, Northern Conservative Baptist. I said, me too, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes region or Northern Conservative Baptist Eastern region? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes. I said, me too. <laughs> Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of, of 1879 or Northern Conservative Baptist of Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. He said, Northern Conservative Baptist of Great Lakes Region Council 1912. I said, heretic, and ran away screaming. <laughs> I thought that was literally hilarious, especially studying church history and stuff. It just, it gets interesting. But anyway, okay, easily offended people come back on in. You guys are good. Good to see everybody. Um, today, uh, my title, if you want to call it, is Read Between the Lines. And I'm going to get super practical, okay? So if you guys want to learn something, you're here. If you are easily distracted, Holy Spirit, please get you, okay? There is something good here, I promise. I'll give you a few disclaimers before I start. I'm going to be talking about how to read the Bible, all right? How I read the Bible. I meant to have a physical copy so I could wave it around and go, read this book, you know, like some people do. But I'll just, if I point my iPad and like go like this, you guys will get the vibe, okay? That's the vibe that I'm trying to show. So my disclaimer is... I do not think that my way of doing it is better than everyone else's. I don't think that I am the greatest theologian to ever live. <laughs> Definitely the opposite of that, okay? I'm going to give you some practical tips. Another disclaimer, I am not trying to guilt you into reading. This is for people that really want to know God. 
but maybe there's a disconnect or maybe you've been reading for years and you'll pick up a couple practical tips, okay? So if I say anything in the message where you're like, oh, he thinks he knows it all, refer back to this statement, okay? If I say anything where you're like, wow, I feel guilty, refer back to this statement, all right? Are we good? Okay, awesome, because I noticed I almost fell. I'll just say it. I really did. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's, I've been doing good so far, but I've noticed in church, maybe you guys have grown up in church, maybe you haven't, maybe you have heard this statement. Are you ready? The Bible's not boring. You're boring, all right? I think, personally, that is a little bit of shame culture. It says, if you don't enjoy the Bible, there is a problem with you. There's something wrong with you if you don't enjoy the Bible. I would say, the Bible's not boring. You're not boring. You're just doing it wrong, all right? <laughs> it's not as catchy, but I think it makes sense, okay? So that's where I am. The Bible's not boring, you're not boring, you're just possibly doing it wrong, all right? How many of you guys like movies? Okay, good. There's like slight pause, like how Christian are we supposed to be right now? <laughs> you know, what would you do for those of you that like movies? I love movies. I get so into movies. Again, you guys are going to think I'm crazy. Allie and I will be watching and I keep the remote in my hand, like it has to be in my hand. And like if the dog gets up, not barking, anything like that, if it gets up off the couch and goes to walk, I have to hit pause because I'm like, it's distracting me from the theme. <laughs> or every once in a while, Allie will turn and just talk to me about something. And I'm thinking, how can you have thoughts in your head? Like focus on the dialogue, like focus on the theme. And you know, it gets to those parts that like maybe you cry in movies, maybe you don't. I don't cry a whole lot, but I really want to. So we'll get to a certain scene. I'm like, imagine if that was your wife. Imagine if that's you. What are you going to feel like? What are you going to do? Like, I love to put myself into the movie. Like, I get really engaged. Like, I like movies. So what would you do if I told you, again, hypothetical, if I got on Netflix and I picked the first movie that came on, I clicked on it, I fast-forwarded to a random part in the movie, I watched five minutes, and then I shut it off. <laughs> and then the next day, I opened Netflix, I picked a random movie, I fast-forwarded to a random part in the movie, <laughs> I watched five minutes, and then I shut it off. And I looked at Caleb, and I said, Caleb, I hate movies. <laughs> Like, I just don't know what it is. It's just, they're not very, like, they don't get me. Like, you know, they don't really, like, draw me into it. Like, people say that they have this great connection with movies, but I don't feel anything. I imagine Caleb would look at me and say, Corey, you're watching it wrong. <laughs> That's not how you're supposed to watch a movie. Would you guys agree? Many of us do this with the Bible. We open the Bible... We pick a random part of scripture. <laughs> we read for five minutes, not understanding the context. We'll read a portion in Psalms. We'll read a Psalm and we'll go, oh, that's nice. And then we'll jump over to Proverbs. I read a study last night that showed um, churchgoers 
when they're asked their favorite two books are Psalms and Proverbs because it require, requires no context. You can just jump in wherever you want. Not, they're amazing books. Please refer back to the beginning. I love every book of the Bible, but I'm just saying those are people's favorite books because they can just jump in anywhere. And it's like, I can just read Psalm 62 and I don't need to know about Psalm 39. So that's why a lot of times I love Proverbs. Don't get me wrong, I love Psalms, but that's why a lot of times that's people's go-to book because it doesn't require any context. So I wrote this down last night. I would say much of the excitement and revelation in the Bible actually comes through context. <laughs> the Bible wasn't made into chapters until the 13th century. Do you guys know that? They didn't add verses until the 16th century, meaning when you read a letter from Paul, it is very hard for you to read Romans 8 and just read 8 and go, okay, I understand this book. It was not meant to be read like that. It was meant for you to start in Romans 1 and read through the entire book. That way you can understand the context because people create theologies off of Romans 6 without reading Romans 7. You have to read. I was talking to um, some of our friends this week, and I don't know about you guys. I am not, I don't have a whole lot of time to sit down and read, I don't know, 30, 40 chapters a day. But if you have Uversion, the best app in the world, I love Uversion. They should pay me for how many people I get to download the Uversion app, okay? You can compare verses, different versions, and then they have this amazing thing where you can listen to the audio Bible. And maybe you're like, oh, I don't, I don't like the audio Bible. That is fine. But listen, this is, again, refer back to this for people that want to read. Do you have time to read 30 chapters a day? Probably not, but you have time to listen to 30 chapters a day. When you wake up, what do you do? You start the audio Bible. You're getting ready. You're listening constantly. You get in the car. You're listening again. Not that you feel like you have to, but you're able to digest so many chapters. I remember Allie was telling me we had this discussion. If you guys know Allie personally, she has been in a super busy season. Like she leaves at seven in the morning and doesn't get home until 1030 at night. And that's been her season for almost a year. And she just doesn't have any time to do anything. And on the weekends, we're preparing for church. And I told her she has this amazing thing where she loves to sit down, open the Bible, get out her notes, and every time she reads a chapter, she will write something down about that chapter. And I told her, I said, that is an amazing thing to do, but it's actually keeping you from reading because now you don't have time to sit down and write down dialogue, and now you're no longer reading. And I said, you gotta get to where you're listening. I said, right now you don't have time to read, you gotta listen. And you know, we'll talk back and forth, she'll read the entire book of Samuel in one day because she has an hour drive. It's there and back, and you'll get to hear so much of the scripture. I'm telling you guys, audio Bible is the way to go. You version is the app, okay, the Bible app. You guys got to try it. And then maybe your next statement would be, well, I have to take the Bible really slow, right? Anyone around here? I like to take the Bible really slow because if I go too fast, I don't remember what it said. I don't remember what it said. 
The uh, anointed Albert Levings likes to tell me, I have no idea what I ate for breakfast last week, but I know it gave me the nutrition that I needed to go throughout my day. Sometimes you might not remember every single point of dialogue, but I promise you it's going to give you the nutrition that you need to go throughout your day. All right, how many of you guys like The Office? Anybody like The Office? Okay, four of you, the rest of you guys. <laughs> the rest of you guys might not find this as funny as I thought you would, <laughs> but all right. Um, anyway, we love The Office. Allie and I used to watch The Office all the time until the great day of destruction when they took it off of Netflix, and we we're still weeping over that <laughs> glorious, horrible day. But anyway, we used to watch The Office all the time, and still to this day, Allie and I will just give office quotes all the time. Caleb's a part of it, Taylor before he left. I mean, um, Matt and I have done it before. We'll just start laughing about an office reference. And you know, at one point, I never sat down, turned on the office, turned to Allie and said, listen, we have to memorize every word that they say. All right, we've got to take it slow, scene by scene. We've got to take it slow. <laughs> we sat down and we enjoyed it and we watched it, and after we watched it like one or two times, before we knew it, we were just referencing it constantly. We were always thinking about it because we knew it. So before you study, listen, studying verses, you guys know me, I'll point out a certain word and go to the Greek and all that stuff. It's really important, but you cannot study a verse until you've read the book, okay? You are not ready to study one verse of a letter until you've read the entire letter, okay? Because he's going to reference that one verse multiple times in the letter. So I didn't start by memorizing certain points of the office. I started watching the story in whole. And then before I know it, certain points will stick out to me. It's funny. We'll laugh about it. We'll reference it. And it's the same thing in the Bible. You've got to get used to reading it in context. All right, you've got to get used to reading it in context. And some of you guys might think, well, who has time for that? Um, you know, books like, I wrote some down that I think can be read in 10 minutes. I think the book of Ephesians could easily be read in 10 minutes. Philippians, 1 Peter, probably definitely Jude. I think that has like six chapters or something. I could be way off. Maybe it's like three. I don't know. But they're really short books. There are a lot of letters that can be read in one sitting. And that's kind of what it takes to understand context. People like in our group will always ask me, not that I do anything amazing with the Bible, but they'll go, how did you get that from that verse? Like, where did you get that from? And it's like, well, I read the book 20 times, and then I read that verse 400 times, and eventually it all came together. I didn't read it one time and go, well, I didn't get any revelation from that. You know, it takes just learning the dialogue. And also, we have to remember, fundamentalists might get offended by this, but the Bible was not written to you, okay? We have the honor to get to read it, but it was not written to you. It was written by an author that we never got the pleasure of meeting or knowing. So Paul might be writing to the Church of Ephesians, and they might read something and go, <laughs> Paul's mentioned that a couple times to us. We're reading someone else's mail. 
literally. We're reading someone else's mail, and we need to realize when we read, this is not our mail. Yes, there can be prophetic properties, and we can take that and apply it to our own life, but when we read, it's not specifically to us. And he's replying most of the times, I think every letter but Romans, he's replying to another letter. We didn't get to hear the first letter. All right, so we need to bring all that into context and understand what am I reading, all right? And always, if you guys are kind of new to the Bible and you're like, well, I've, you know, I've been a Christian for a long time and I've jumped around, but where should I start? The go-to start is the book of John, not 1 John, the book of John, okay? Read John. Read it, read it, read it, read it, because everything starts with the Gospels. Everything starts with the Gospels. I remember Caleb came into, I think it was church or we were setting up or something, and he was dressed just like Waldo, I swear, okay? He had the hat on and everything. He looked just like Waldo. And I told him, I was like, oh, where's Waldo? Like, you look just like Waldo. And Caleb, the mathematician mind that he has, he's like, what's Waldo? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, did you ever stop reading like Greek theories or something to find out who Waldo is? But the Bible is where's Waldo, okay? Every single page, every single verse, you have to find Waldo. You have to find Jesus. He is on every single page. He's really easy to find in the Gospels. He's a lot harder to find in Ezekiel. He's a lot harder to find in Moses' writings. And we can read a chapter of Genesis and we can go, eh, God seems angry. <laughs> God is an angry God. And there's actually theologians, um, not theologians, I'm sorry. There's actually theolo theologies. Got it out, guys. I got it out. There's actually theologies that preach that Yahweh is a different God than the God of the New Testament. Because they can't deal with the conflict. And it's because Jesus was on the page, but they didn't find him. The New Testament, I forget which book it is. You guys can study it when you get home. But it talks about how there's a veil over their eyes and how they can't see Jesus in the Old Testament scriptures. There's a veil covering them and they can't find him. And Jesus goes, I'm going to reveal that veil so you can find me in the scriptures. There's Jesus on every single page. It's time that we start finding Jesus in Genesis and we start finding Jesus in Revelation. Because I've noticed that people have started to find Jesus in the Gospels but didn't find Jesus in Revelation. They left him in the Gospels and chose a different God in Revelation. He's on every single page, and whenever we read, we need to find it. Do any of you guys, hard turn, I know. Do any of you guys go to the bathroom in the middle of the night? Like you're one of those people that just wake up all the time? I've talked to some of you. You guys are scared to raise your hand, all right? <laughs> I've heard some of your stories, all right? You guys are shame culture over here. But anyway, you know when you're in your room and like the lights are off and you can like still get around? I remember when I was a kid, I used to play this game, <laughs> you know, no friends. I used to walk through our house, like my parents' house, and I used to see if I could make it like from the front door to my room with my eyes closed. And again, lots of practice, no friends. I was able to make it there because I made that walk a lot of times. And you guys probably can do the same thing. You can lay in bed, wake up in the middle of the night, get to the bathroom without the lights on. 
And it's because you've walked in that room a whole lot of times with the lights on. Are you with me? You probably could not find my bathroom in my house with the lights off. It's because you haven't walked there as many times with the lights on. Are you with me? Okay, so picture this. When you read the Gospels, the light is on. You can find Jesus. When you go back to the Old Testament, when you go to Revelation, you got to make sure you remember what it's like with the lights off, with the lights on. You've got to be able to find your way in the dark and go, you know what? This doesn't make sense to me right now. This God isn't lining up with what Corey said, with what Jesus said, but I know that Jesus revealed the Father. Jesus said that I came to reveal the Father. So it must mean that there's a disconnect here because I know what it looks like with the lights on. And you got to learn how to feel your way around in dark because there are a lot of verses that are, have conflict. The amazing Chris Fallotton says, I believe that the Bible was written in conflict so you can only follow Jesus through relationship and not principle. There are verses that are in conflict. One part, Jesus says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. A couple chapters later, he goes, not everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And it's like, whoa, I guess is the Bible, like there's contradictions in the Bible. Like, what are we going to do? And it's like, no, you have to understand the context. You can't follow him through principle. You have to follow him through the relationship of what he was saying. You've got to read the context. Context will bring revelation. You guys have been up here. You guys have heard me speak before where we'll read a story, and then you release the context, and it's like, whoa, that hit me in a new way. And it's like, yeah, that's because Jesus was so relatable that he met you exactly where you are. He was not speaking to you right now. He was speaking to people 2,000 years ago. He was relating to them. So if we want to get that same relationship out of those words, we got to start thinking like we're in the time 2,000 years ago. Stop reading it with a 21st century mindset. Good? You with me? Let's read a verse, all right? I talked about the Bible and haven't read a verse. Sorry. <laughs> here we go. I threw a couple in here just so I'd be safe. All right. John 5, 38. And you do not have his message in your hearts because you do not believe me, the one who sent you. You search the scriptures because you think they have given you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. Okay, when Jesus says this, was there a New Testament? There is just the Torah so far, okay? Just the Torah when Jesus was saying this, just the Old Testament. So that means that the Torah points to Jesus. Good. I'm just going to believe that you guys are getting it in here and in here and you just don't want to talk, okay? But the scriptures point to me, this verse is actually known as the fourfold witness because it's talking about these four different things that testify to Jesus. But the last one, he says, and the scriptures point to me. That means that every time you get in the Old Testament, you've got to remember, what is it like with the lights on? Because I know Jesus. I know his characteristics because Jesus revealed God. Jesus revealed God, so there might be a disconnect here, but I'll be able to find my way because I know what it's like with the lights on. When we read Revelation, we've got to be able to go, okay, Jesus revealed the Father. 
There's not two different fathers. The father said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if there's a disconnect, there's not two different gods. So I've got to be able to find my way with the lights off. I've got to be able to find my way with the lights off. I think I have some other good stuff in here. Let me see. <laughs> All right, let's read the Matthew verse. Um, this is Matthew 4, 3 through 11, all right? Um, if you guys don't know, I mean, you might know the story, you might not, but whenever Jesus was on the earth, this is a story about where it talks about the Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted, and the enemy starts to come and tempt Jesus. Okay? I feel like that's good enough context. You guys can read the whole story later. All right, it says, During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no. The scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Okay, so what did he combat his temptation and his struggles with? Scripture, thanks, Ali. I appreciate you. Then the devil took him to the holy city. Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off, get ready for the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt a, your foot on a stone. This is the enemy now. Guess what? The enemy knows the Bible much better than most of you do. Okay, the enemy knows the Bible much better than most of you do. And this is why a lot of people live in condemnation and shame because the enemy will take a verse and he will kill you with it. He will beat you over the head with a verse because guess what? The word of God is truth, but the Bible is not always truth because here it is in the hands of the enemy and guess what? It's no longer true. The Bible is not like this book of spells, all right? I've heard people just say the words. It's the name of Jesus that has life and power, okay? But they say these words like there's just power in the words. It's not in the words, it's in the meaning of the words. Okay, you've got to know the meaning of the words. You can't live off of my revelation. You can't live off of what God spoke to me and off of what I read. You've got to be able to know it for yourself because guess what? One day the enemy is going to come to you and he's going to try to beat you over the head with a verse. And I hope one day you'll be able to do what Jesus did and throw another verse in his face. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. He said, I will give it all to you. He said, if you will kneel and worship me. And he said, get out of here, Satan. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away and the, the angels came and took care of Jesus. Then the angels came and took care of Jesus. We got to remember, guys, it is the religious people that killed Jesus. It is the people that knew the Bible better than anybody. Okay? 
You can't just read it for principle. You got to read it for revelation, for relationship. The Bible is not the end goal. Okay? <laughs> the goal is not just to, here we go, read this book. The goal is for this book to point you to the person on the other side. All right? These are letters written to people 2,000 years ago, not you. <laughs> They're still amazing. I spend my life reading them. They are a blessing to be able to read this in a free country. It is a blessing. But you've got to understand the context. We've got to start understanding what the Bible says. And to do that, we've got to actually read it. Start in John. Learn what it looks like with the lights on because you're gonna be lost reading Ezekiel and Revelation if you don't first start in the Gospels. Start with John, read it, read it, read it. Don't read it to study yet, all right? If you're new, don't study yet, just read it to enjoy the story. Don't pick a verse, don't take it so slow to where you get bored, just enjoy the story of a savior that came down to set you free. It says God so loved the world, do you get that? Guess what? It's in context with a whole lot of verses in the Old Testament, but this is what it's like with the lights on. God said, I so love the world, not the Christians, not the people that kept it all together. He said, I so love the world. And I feel like there's some people in here that don't feel very special. Okay, I feel like there's some people in here that maybe people have used this book <laughs> to hit you over the head with it. They pointed at your divorce, at your moral failures, and they have beat you over the head with it. And I want to say that it's not what it looks like with the lights on. Do you guys remember the woman at the well? I've talked about this a couple weeks now. I believe Jesus came down and when you learn context and you learn, hey, guess what? Women by law were not allowed to divorce men. By law, they couldn't do it. So when Jesus spoke to this woman, he was saying, I know five men have left you, and I know this man won't even marry you now, but I'm gonna meet you right where you are. And that's what he's doing with you. He wants to meet you right where you are. When he was walking into town and there was a wee little man up in a tree, I don't know if he was actually wee and little. He just couldn't see over a crowd. I couldn't see over a pe people 200 person crowd either. And I'm six foot tall, so who knows? But he climbs up to a tree and we hear this beautiful story. And we're like, oh, I love that. And I said it last week. Did you guys know that Zacchaeus was excommunicated from the church, from the Jewish church? He was a Jewish born citizen and he was excommunicated. That might not mean much to you, but that meant that by law, he could never eat with another Jewish person for the rest of his life. It meant that he could never go to Jerusalem for the high feast. It meant that he could never enter into the temple to give a sacrifice or to worship God. He was cut off from his family and from his childhood friends, okay? And now he's in a crowd with the very people that he has stolen from. Now put yourself in their shoes. You see a man that has stolen from you, maybe thrown you out on the street, maybe your wife or your husband died because of what he did. This is the context. 
This is a man that's hurting, that feels broken, that has nobody. And Jesus walks in and he goes, hey, Zacchaeus, I want to go to your home to eat. He didn't say you need to change anything. He just met you right where you are. And it was that act of friendship that changed everything. Jesus wants to enter into friendship with you. He wants to enter into friendship with you. And I promise that this book isn't boring. You probably just weren't doing it right. (laughs) I think some of you guys are going to start to fall in love with this book. Why don't you guys go to the stand? few more very practical tips. Um, If you guys do enjoy studying, um, there's a book that I like to read. It is a four four or five thousand page book. (laughs) It's called the IVP Bible Background and it goes through book by book, verse by verse, and it shows you just the background. So you can kind of skip around to the book and it will show you just the context of the culture of what's going on. And then if some of you guys are newer, there's something on the YouVersion app called The Bible Project. I don't know if it's meant for kids, but I really relate to it, so you guys might like it too. But it breaks down each book, like it will take Genesis and it'll go, hey, chapters 1 through 12 are about creation, are about man, are about all of this prophetic stuff. And and chapter 12 is what holds it all together. And chapters 12 through 24 is all about Moses and his travels. And it will go into detail to where you go, okay, now I get the overview. Now let's hear the dialogue. Now let's hear the story. We are the most blessed generation. I truly believe this. Many people disagree. I think we are the most blessed generation to be able to understand this book like never before. We have everything at our fingertips, okay? I know the church hates the internet. I think it's the best thing we've ever been blessed with because we can hear revelation that people never got to hear. We can know context like never before. We can be like the people 2,000 years ago that got to sit down and hear Jesus' voice, that got to read Paul's letter for the first time. This is what's open to us. Don't just sit down and read a chapter of Ezekiel and go, well, that's confusing. (laughs) I know it is. There's a lot more to it. Go find it with the lights on. All right, so I just want to pray a prayer over you guys. Father, I just ask right now that your spirit of revelation will open in this room, God. That people will read your word like never before. That words will start to jump off of the pages. That you will meet them like never before. That they will have a love to read. That they'll have a love to know you for who you truly are. You're not a God that loves shame. You're not a God that throws condemnation down. You're not an angry God, but you are a loving God. Jesus revealed that you are a God of love. Let's take a second to worship a God of love, okay? This is a moment that we get to experience with the lights on. He is a God of love.